Carlos Alberto Diego from the Four Diego's. You can catch him every Wednesday night. That is tonight here on 1116 SEM between 11 and 12. If uh, you want to hear about soccer in a different type of vein, <laughs> that is the place to hear it. G'day, mate. How are you, mate? How are you going? Good, you? Yeah, bursting to talk about world football today oh, with you, Tone, to as we always do when you come in. Good to see you here. Yeah, good to be mm-hmm. here. And uh, we've got so much to talk about. First of all, I want to talk about the, the Melbourne Victories win over the Wellington Phoenix. Mm. Fairly comprehensive, and I think has really stamped their authority on this competition. Gee, I'll tell you what, they're growing, Tone, and I know they've had their issues this year at different times, but they've probably had less issues to deal with, or have, yeah. how they've dealt with their issues are better than what other sides are doing, because really there's no standout team like we had with Brisbane Roar a number of years ago where they just won everything and they had long winning streaks. Right now, the top four sides are quite capable of taking points off each other, as we're seeing, and uh, there's no real standout, but I think of the teams that are vying for the Premier's plate and perhaps, perhaps uh, grand final winners, Melbourne Victory are the ones that have probably got mm. the uh, not only the pedigree uh, and, and the assets there, but also they get a, getting a, there's a quite little bit of form coming up and they just do the business very, very professionally as they did on the weekend. Now, if the Melbourne Victory made the grand final, well, I know it's still a few weeks yep. away, Carlos, they're going to get a big crowd. No doubt about it. They're not going to be able to hold it at Amy Stadium. I think we've already ascertained that Eddie Had Stadium is unavailable. Is there yep. a possibility that they could play this game in my backyard? <laughs> the MCG. Well, well, it's Tony Shebeki's MCG because you're the voice of the G over there. Uh, look, uh, of course, it has to. The, the, there is talk at the moment between. Uh, uh, the FFA have uh, sort of sent out some uh, intimations out into the media about the fact that uh, if we're still at loggerheads with the AFL about getting the May 17 date uh, for the use of Eddie Head Stadium, and the, the negotiations are continuing, but it doesn't sound all that good at the moment. Mm. It sounds like uh, there's a, a little bit of a, a brick wall there between the two parties, and the Victorian government is sort of standing and watching at the moment. So it's hit a bit of a, a snag, and uh, there's talk about the, the, the chance if Melbourne Victory are up against. Melbourne City. That's the only scenario that will allow this. Okay. On the Friday the 15th to play it at the MCG, and apparently that's been booked uh, by the FFA. So, well, hang on. You're not, you're not going to know that until the week before, are you? Well, yeah. The City are going to have to work yeah, their way through. But I think that's the same with uh, all the stadiums they've booked uh, throughout Australia. Okay. You're, not, you're just not going to know until pretty deep into the finals about which stadium, but I think they've put tentative bookings, and I think this is a normal thing to do in a national competition. So uh, the question I want to ask our listeners out there, and it's a really simple one, and I got this wrong a while ago with the with my estimation of what Liverpool and, Man- and uh, Melbourne Victory was gonna, were, yeah, were going to get at the MCG. I, got, I thought they were going to get about 60. Oh, really? Is yeah, that no, I, no, I thought I underestimated... Uh, I knew there was, of course, anecdotally, I knew how many people in Australia loved Liverpool. Uh, I just underestimated the, you know, the, the amount of people that wanted to see that Liverpool side, which wasn't the best side in right. the EPL at the time. So, and they got 96,000. So, and I'm not I saying... I think what you underestimated was the amount of people that love going to an event in Melbourne. Well, I, I know a lot of people travel throughout Australia to get to that game. Yeah. Uh, and I, I underestimated that. So what I want to ask our listeners out there today, if there was the scenario where Melbourne Victory were going to play Melbourne City on that Friday the 15th of May at the MCG, how many would we get? I want a number. It's a good question. Yeah, I mean, are you looking at the low? Because obviously, uh, Eddie had, they'd be looking at a sellout. And I think in the grand final, you probably would get a sellout of about 53,000 to 55,000. How many would we get at the MCG? Given that uh, we got 96,000 for the Liverpool-Melbourne victory game. And, uh, you know, uh, it excites me about the prospect and whether... 
if uh, AFL are playing hardball right now, whether by opening up the MCG on a Friday night and allowing the A-League to showcase a huge derby in a grand final, if that got 80 or 90,000 people, mm. whether that does more damage to the AFL stance than... Uh, you know, than uh, what it would otherwise. So, uh, love to hear what people say, either on text or uh, on, the, on the phones. Uh, how many would you get an MCG for a Melbourne victory, Melbourne City grand final? Uh, someone made a good point, uh, Chris, out of Point Cook. Wouldn't a final against Adelaide or Sydney also get a good crowd at the MCG? Uh, Having only be one hour flight time? Uh, yeah, Eight no, hours on a bus? Yeah, no, well, they're only going to play at the MCG if it's a Melbourne victory, Melbourne City game. Okay. Uh, I think any other grand final that involves Melbourne victory will either be moved to another. Uh, city, or they'll play... So they won't at, play it at Amy Park? Yeah, they'll only play at the Amy Park. So, uh, no, sorry, they'll only play... The, the only possibility, if they don't... If Melbourne City and Melbourne Victory is not the grand final pairing, would be either play at Amy Park or play in a city outside Victoria, which, uh, if Melbourne Victory earned the right to host it, would be a huge blow to yeah, Victory, yeah. and it would be it'd look pretty bad on the game. To play the Sheffield Shield final down at Hobart. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> Well, we we have actually had one. And isn't that what we've got Amy Park for? Well, the thing is, uh, you know, I, I jumped up and down when they built the thing in the first place, knowing that thirty one thousand wasn't going to be enough. Yeah. At that time, we were jumping up and down, and they were, I don't know how they justified only having thirty one thousand at the time when, and with the with the bubble sort of roof, I can't see any easy way of extending that or or you know putting more tiers on there. Or and know, they've always said they could if they wanted to. The well, foundations are built to hold more. Yeah, well, the thing is, how done. are you going to move that roof the yeah, way it is? I mean, exactly. I just, it just it was a ridiculous decision at the time. I don't know how they justified it. Uh, it needed to be a 40,000-seater stadium yeah. then. And, uh, and I can't see how they didn't see the game was going to grow into a 40,000-seater stadium, which in the end wasn't going to be enough anyway, but at least you can hold a grand final in there uh, and uh, allow most supporters from the clubs that are involved to come. Uh, Michael from Ashburton says 70,000-plus easy. Anonymous says 75,000. Sorry, that's Chris from yeah. Uh Put Adam in Point Cook, put my house on 90,000 for a derby. Well, you know, that, that would be a huge statement. Huge statement if that happened. I, they, obviously, Melbourne City don't have the requisite supporters to get it up. I mean, Melbourne Victory would, uh, would obviously, with their number of membership, I think they're about 25,000 members plus all the other followers that they have. I think they would easily bring 45 themselves. Uh, you know, and that's underestimated. They might even bring 50 themselves. So Melbourne City would have to bring the rest or they'd be travelling from elsewhere or just football lovers would be turning up. And maybe because it's at the MCG, it's a domestic game, all football lovers would want to turn up to that game and make it as big as it possibly can. So yeah, I, I'm just really curious. I, I, I reckon I reckon they'd be around about the 70 mark, personally. Uh, but whether we'd get into the real high echelons of 80s and 90s, yeah. well, which would be a huge statement, uh, it remains to be seen, I suppose. If it Simmons happens. Stadium probably not big enough either. Yeah, I don't know if they'd ever move it to uh, to Geelong or. You got more uh, chance of getting. I think they've. You got more right, chance of getting Geelong full though than setting Melbourne yeah, Victory to Adelaide. But, but, I mean, what's the capacity of Simmons? Thirty-five. Thirty-five. Yeah, so I mean, you get thirty-one at Amy Park anyway. I think the whole point of it is there's going to be even at thirty-five. There's going to yeah. be a lot of people who will, will miss out if uh, if they uh, don't play it at a bigger stadium. Yeah, uh, it'll be. A, Utter disgrace if victory qualify first for the grand final played interstate, says Michael yeah. from Ashburton. Yeah. Uh, Andrew and at Hyde, what do you reckon, Andrew? No, I reckon it'd be great if they could play it at the G, but I want to ask Carlos, do you reckon the FFA would prefer a ticket price of, say, $50 a ticket and have a full MCG or $100 a ticket and have, say, 60,000 yeah. people there? I think the, that's a great question there, Andrew. I, I, I think the FFA should take the risk to take 
the opportunity to really make a statement, make the tickets as cheap as possible and just fill it. Yeah. Uh, because that's a bigger statement than uh, having 31,000 at Amy Park or even having 55,000, which we've had a couple of times, even for home and away games uh, in A-League. At, at that stadium over the years. So I think uh, having a 90,000, it's a dream. It's a fantasy and a dream. But if having a 90,000 attendance and an A-League grand final at the MCG would be a huge thing for the game. It's a, for me, it's as big as, uh, it's a bigger statement about how big the game is as filling uh, a Socceroo game or filling, um, or even qualifying for World mm. Cups. It's, it, of course, qualification for World Cup is a huge indicator for the sport, but filling an MCG for an A-League grand final, uh, geez, that people forget about you know, having to fill 50,000s, but they'll also start thinking, yeah. gee, there's a real potential here for this game. Caitlin uh, brings up a good point. If uh, the game was at the G, you'd get a lot of MCC members yep. who normally probably wouldn't be soccer fans but would come along because obviously yeah. they could possibly get free entry due to their membership. Yeah, and, and you'd know how many... MCC members would be allowed in there? It holds about 30, yeah. 25 to 30,000. Yeah, I think. okay. So I think it'd be a – it's like uh, attending a World Cup qualifier the way we used to have them there many years ago. And I think uh, uh, the novelty or, or just seeing something different and, you know, a Melbourne derby, that in itself, the colour and the excitement and the tense uh, intensity of those, uh, of those games would be enough for anyone who loves their sport to want to go and have a look. So, uh, Mark – as said on the SMS, Carlos, and this is just not right. Uh, mm. How much money did soccer put in to build the MCG and Etihad Stadium? Like it or not, both the MCG and Etihad Stadium were built on the back of the AFL money. Well, that's fair enough. Yeah. But these stadiums still re- need to remain viable, and it's why the Etihad yeah. Stadium has darts, and it's why the MCG has mm. the Rugby League. Yeah. Because they, they need to keep it full when they can. Yeah. If it's not being used for AFL, yeah. they need to use it for something. They need the money coming yeah. in. And, so, uh, and when it actually reverts, Eddie had reverts to AFL ownership for about a dollar or something in what, 2025 yeah, or something? 2025, yeah. Yeah, and I would think then it wouldn't be the commission necessarily running or the clubs running the stadium. It'd be uh, an events company that would be an AFL events company running a stadium who want to be filling that mm. every week of the of the year. Well, every dollar that uh, comes in is absolutely. better. Absolutely, and yeah. you only have uh, you know a limited time during AFL season. So, if you've got an AFL, if you've got an A League grand final that would get sixty thousand or seventy thousand people during the off season, the AFL events would be wanting to, to yeah. get you in there. So, you're right. It, it's a matter of making it viable. AFL in itself is not going to make that stadium viable. It's uh, you have to have. You know, concerts, you have to have other games, other sports, other events there in the off-season too. And it's all economics, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, Krasner says the MCG too big for a rectangle field game too far away. Uh, Etihad Stadium sort of has that. Yeah. But they, uh, the fact that they're able to bring the seats in on the side sort of close that up a bit. But you've still got yeah. a fairly but large we saw, area. But we saw when uh, Victory played in, at Geelong. Um, Who did they play over there? Uh, Perth. Perth yeah. Glory during the summer. And I was always, and they played a couple of Asian Champions League games over there. And uh, and the way they set up Skilled Stadium over there in Geelong, it looks fantastic. And you know, we know it's a it's an oval ground, but the way they set it up, the way it looks, it didn't diminish at all from it being a football ground. So I think these days they're much better than what they used to be. Uh, all those years ago, playing on uh, on football on AFL football grounds, and it just didn't look good. I think these days, with the size of the crowd and the way they configure. 
uh, you know, the, the, the rectangles, you know, with hoardings and things like mm. that, I think it looks a lot better. And I, I think those days, you know, we, we, we used to cringe a bit about it. Uh, even Adelaide Oval, I mean, when they, yeah. when they set it up, the problem with Adelaide Oval, it's actually, it's a very fast pitch um, for the likes of AFL and cricket. And it's not so great, the surface for, you know, soccer. So uh, that's what you'd have to look at. But I think, We've played many games of uh, football on the MCG over the years, Socceroos in friendlies, also World Cup qualifiers, and uh, I don't think it affected the standard of the game at all. A lot of people coming through on the effort, on the SMS saying, I've never been to an A-League game, but if yeah. it was at the MCG, a grand final, yeah. and it was around 50 bucks a head, yeah. I would definitely go. I wouldn't miss yeah. it. Absolutely. And I think this is a... And, you know, the people... What's the difference between uh, the, uh, the way the game is run these days and the way it should have been the old Soccer Australia days, mm. Tony? You remember those days? Yes. Uh, where you just... They, they administered the game really poorly mm. in those days. But these days, they're professional. Everyone... I mean, there's no question about how the game's administered these days. And they, they've got the best marketers involved. So I would... If I were uh, FFA... And it really did look like it was going to be a Melbourne victory, Melbourne City. I wouldn't even negotiate with the AFL. I'd just play it on the Friday night at the MCG and just throw it open to everyone. Mm. All right. Well, there's a topic. If you want to join it, 9429116. If the grand final is played at the G on Friday night. Uh, And 25 past one, Carlos Alberto Diego from the Four Diego's. Catch him tonight, 11 till 12, here on 1116 SEN. Carlos, uh, just a couple of quick SMSs on this one before we move forward. Uh, Adam in Point Cook again. uh, brings up another good point. You've done well here, Adam. Uh, Every derby or Melbourne victory final, people are always calling SEN complaining of missing out on tickets. So any derby final would be massive in this town. Yeah, especially if it's a grand final and it's marketed well and... uh, I just reckon everyone, even if you're not following football, you're sort of either taking a liking to Kevin Muscat's uh, Melbourne Victory or John Van Skip's Melbourne City. You know, those people who don't like Melbourne Victory, and there's not a lot of them out there, but those people who don't, who just refuse to follow them, yep. they've got themselves uh, an option there. So I just think it would be huge. My gut feeling, and uh, take this with a grain of salt, given I've got the Liverpool Victory you know, attendance yep. estimate so wrong, I reckon about 70 You'd get 70. That'd still be a but, great result. Yeah, but these days, who can judge? You know, you, if there's enough hype and there's enough uh, angst leading into it, uh, you, you could get yourself mm. to 80 or 90. And what a fantastic fillip for the game that would be. And Anonymous says uh, there were rumours not long back that City Football Group were interested in buying Amy Park and that would in, they would then increase the capacity. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd never heard those rumours. and uh, But they've got the money to do it. Uh, what, what would it cost? I don't know. Uh, what, 300, 400 mil? To pull, buy up, it. pull up three Mercedes yeah, out the front yeah. empty of the Astros. Well, uh, well uh, yeah, uh, it would be a significant investment by them because I think it, it's not owned by any one club. It's it's owned so by, by the government, uh, the Olympic, government Park Trust, yeah, yeah. Olympic Park Trust. And, uh, and would it be the end of Rugby League and oh, Rugby Union? Oh, oh, they, they, would, they would be buying it for a reason. And anyone who's using that who's not Melbourne City would not be using it. So it would be a, a training facility. It would be a, uh, a football match, match day facility. Uh, I think Melbourne Storm, who's sharing it, Melbourne Football Club, who's sharing it, anyone else who's sharing it just wouldn't be using it. That's why they would be buying it. Mm. And this is, this, puts, this is a pressure. And by the way, Melbourne Victory too, because they train out of there yeah, too. Yeah. So this is a, uh, the, the, the pressure that I believe is on Victory. Now, they won't admit to this, but I believe uh, with the announcement of the Latrobe facility, the Academy of Football that, uh, that Melbourne City uh, announced a mm. while back, what, three or four months ago, 
uh, I think there's got to be a response by Melbourne Victory. And I hope the response is not getting out, you know, international investment or foreign investment to invest in a new stadium or a new... I, I hope that they, with all their resources, all their networks, all their connections to business and government, that they come together and actually come up with an Australian invested, you know, funded uh, facility that that matches or even surpasses anything that Melbourne City's come up with. This is this is the the bar that's been set, and Victory have got the resources, they have got the potential to do something here, mm. and I'm really looking forward to their response. I'm not hearing anything coming out of them at the moment, but uh, you know, given that they're a very, very proud club with a very, very uh, good people running it, I would be surprised if it's not somewhere on the whiteboard mm. about what their facility is going to look like uh, that, that they'll own. There's plenty of land out near La Trobe University. Yeah, but they, well, they wouldn't could, want to go could out. City build a, no, could City build a stadium out there oh, for themselves? They could, but is that is that where they want to be? You know, they, they probably want... But, I mean, they, they, they don't want to take second best. I think we've seen with what they've done with Man City and what they're doing with New York FC, and mm. I think they've got a link to Yokohama in Japan and what they've done with Melbourne City here. They, they don't want to go out to the suburbs because that's they'll buy the land. They've got the money to buy land in the central area here if they want to do it and do it properly. Yeah. Uh, and really make, again, making statements in football, the hype often precedes the substance. Yeah. And something like building a stadium like that in the middle of the city and owning it is certainly a statement for Australian football, that's mm, for sure. No doubt. And uh, where are you? Uh, Robin, Nary Warren, mate, check your facts before you send stats in, please, mate. Liverpool versus Melbourne, victory, 90,000 people at the MCG. Cricket World Cup couldn't get close to that. One was a friendly, the other the biggest stage in world cricket. Mate, they got 93,000 to the Cricket yeah, World Cup. No, so there's they got, no question. Not only did they not yeah. get close, yeah. <laughs> they actually went past it. Yeah, yeah. So just check your facts. And if you well. had, and look, I, I would expect that uh, if Liverpool played Ma- uh, Melbourne victory again, would they get 96,000? I don't know. That's the reason why Liverpool maybe didn't come back. Yeah, well, that's why they're doing it every couple of years. They're not, they're not coming to Melbourne this time. Yep. They're going to Brisbane. So yep. I think it's one of those once-in-a-lifetime situations. They built it up as that, and people decide, yet yeah, once-in-a-lifetime, I'm going to go to the MCG and watch this. And Even if it was just the price of the tickets and, and the travel and all that sort of stuff, just to sing... You know, you'll never walk alone, yeah. which is a highlight of that game. I can't remember any of the game except for that. Yeah. Uh, I think that's what people want to experience. But if you had that every year, I don't know where they'd get 96,000 every year. The presentation year. at the end of the game was good too. I I t- I, yes. So, Tony, I missed that altogether, no, mate. Right, I, yes. yeah, obviously, you did a great job. People oh, are still you. talking about it. Hey, speaking of uh, great jobs, they haven't done one at Perth, have they, with their salary <laughs> cap? They have botched this up, an absolute beauty. Yeah. Uh, big trouble. Big, big trouble coming their way. Yeah, it looks like the whole gambit of uh, of things that you could, how you can possibly allegedly breach a salary cap. It sounds like from the media that's coming out of the FFA, they've uh, you know almost ticked off all of them. So you know what concerns me. I mean, I was talking about the, the sport being administered really well mm. by the FFA over the last ten years, especially in the A League. But I just wonder whether clubs are, are being administered that well themselves. So I'd like to think that this was deliberate. If it was deliberate allegedly deliberate, at least there was some plan behind it. If they did, weren't aware, that's a worry. And if, that, if they yeah. weren't aware, if that's their argument, they weren't aware or they didn't interpret the, the guidelines, the salary cap guidelines well, I think not only do they, do the FFA have to investigate Perth Glory, but they would have to investigate every club and they go through them yeah. properly. And because if there's, if there's any grey areas at all uh, to keep the integrity of the competition the way it should be, 
uh, it's the FFA's responsibility to sort that out. Mm. And if Perth argues successfully, and they, that's what they, I'm hearing they want to do, that there was some misunderstandings, some misinterpretations, things weren't clear, there were grey areas all over the place, and there's talk about a figure of being over the cap by uh, somewhere close to $400,000, and a lot of it being around the contract of allegedly around uh, Andy Keogh, their big you know, the, yeah. uh, Irish uh, star striker. Uh, if, if they win those arguments, gee, they've got to go back to the drawing board with the salary cap because if they're getting it wrong because of misunderstanding, so should every other club. And, and Tony, the other thing too, what, uh, you know, the precedent set in this area in, AF, in, in the A-League has been Sydney back in 2005, 2006, where they won the competition yep. and found out later, we all found out later, that they'd breached uh, the, uh, the salary cap. They got a three-point deduction next season plus a $173,000 fine. But they, the kept, yeah, but they kept yeah. the trophy. So uh, if they're looking at now taking all the points off Perth or 15 games or whatever they're talking about, and, and relegating them out of the finals, um, that's certainly not consistent with the precedent of Sydney back in 2005. So this is a really big move by David Gallup. Granted, he has... Uh, well, he's got pre- form, hasn't he? He's yeah. got form Melbourne himself Storm. with Melbourne Storm, <laughs> and it was back in 2005, so 10 years ago. But, geez, it'd be hard to, uh, to argue that, the, that you don't follow a precedent in your own competition. Mm. And obviously that precedent was a ridiculous one to follow. That's well, obviously they weren't strong enough, you know. And this is my worry is that we don't probably have the resources to police the salary cap the way it should. And if that's the case, uh, that's this is a worry because you'll never have the competition running the way it should and the integrity of the league protected if you're not policing the salary cap and auditing clubs properly every year. What do you think is going to happen? Uh, at very least, uh, well, David, look, I'll, I'll just go with the fact that David Gallup, he'll, they'll, they'll drop out of the finals, I reckon. Mm. Um, and I'd be surprised if they don't. Uh, if they just get a fine or just a couple of points deducted, I'd, I'd be very surprised. It sounds like they've got a heap wrong with, uh, with his salary cap. They've breached all over the place, mm. uh, if, the, if the media reports are right. We'll take a break. Back with more Carlos in just a tick. It was Melbourne victory versus Melbourne City. It's the only time it's going to happen. Would you go? We'll talk more yeah. A-League and more international uh, soccer in just a tick. 21 minutes to two. Carlos Alberto Diego here in the studio with me. And Carlos, I've just got to respond to this because I've just got to. <laughs> uh, some moron sent an SMS. Shebeki driving and listening to your dribble, wishing someone else other than you here. You're hopeless. If you're going to call people out on facts, 95,446 uh, for the Melbourne Cup versus Liverpool game. How much for the World Cup final? Well, it was 93,476. The trouble is they actually lost 8,000 seats due to the fact that they had the sight screens mm. up and down both wings, as well as the advertising stuff for Hyundai and yep. all this sort of stuff. So it was a full house yeah, for the well, cricket. But why should we quibble Absolutely. over a couple exactly. of thousand? Because, I mean, if the weather was a bit cold, you don't go and you can lose a couple of thousand. If it was 35,000 to 90,000 or 50,000, that's a big difference. You can talk about what it means for every sport. But if you're talking about a, a couple of thousand, even 5,000 at that level there, uh, you know, given the weather, this and that, you've got to give that leeway on any particular day. And what if the, what if the, a friendly between Liverpool and Melbourne victory got 4,000 or 5,000 or 6,000 more than the World Cup final? If it does got it make it a 90, lesser... No. Does it, really, if it got over 90,000, yeah. it's a premium event Absolutely. that's been played around the, the world. Around yeah. the, rarely would you get uh, a huge event, a one-day event around the world in any sport. Correct me uh, if I'm wrong, yeah. and I might be wrong here. Was it not a record for a Liverpool game? 
uh, outside, outside outside of, of the, Liverpool. Yeah. And in fact, you're probably right. I don't think there's any stadium in England that would hold 96,000. So I think it's pretty close. I mean, they, they did play, and I'm not sure whether Liverpool were part of this, but they did play some really big stadiums in America mm. uh, and that hold over 100,000. Thousand people. I so, just remember announcing when we announced yeah. the crowd, we said it was a record for yeah. a Liverpool game yeah. outside of Liverpool yeah. or whatever it might have been. Yeah, yeah. I think when they toured America, they had 110, but that was okay. after. I think that was after the the 2000. Because that was back in yeah, 2013 okay. that uh, that game. So yeah, look, any, anything. Why quibble over 10,000 when exactly. you're talking about 90,000 people? It's, I think it says a lot about the people in that state or in that region who love their sport and also tells you a lot about the sport in that, uh, in that country. Let's quibble about where Melbourne Victory and Melbourne City are going to finish yeah. on the ladder because this is where it stands at the moment. Uh, 44 for the victory. That's their points and they are on top of Perth Glory who are also on 44. Adelaide on 43. Wellington on 42. Sydney on tw- uh, 41. Yep. And then Melbourne City just making up the six on 34, six points ahead of Brisbane. Uh, we can pretty much say that City will make the finals, I would think, off the back of that. Well, I mean, the, the, chasing, the chasing team there is Brisbane. They've got a game in hand, but they've got to play Melbourne Victory twice in, that, in the last four games that they've got. So uh, I, I would think that Brisbane will have to play. I mean, they, they, they beat uh, you know, Central Coast 6-1 just last week, and it was a, you know, a fantastic you know, free-flowing game of football for them. But Central Coast were, were statues, were mm. the, the, the witches' hats, the way they played. So uh, I don't know if that's a real indication of how well Brisbane Roar is uh, playing at the moment, given that they were beaten by City the week before. So I think, you know, on paper, which you can't, you can't really put too no. much uh, trust in, but on paper I think City should make it. And given that they're on Three a... hard games, though, aren't they? Yeah. Wellington, Adelaide and Perth, all teams above yeah. them on the yeah. ladder. But I think they'd probably need to win one. One of those, and, they, and they'd be right. And, uh, and yeah. the way they're going, okay, they're just eking out. I mean, they haven't lost in four. They've won, they won three, and then they drew on the weekend. So, uh, and against pretty good competition, too. They beat Sydney a couple of weeks ago, who were on a, and they really stopped their winning yeah. run, too. So, I think uh, City aren't pretty at the moment. Uh, and I'm glad they're not pretty because this whole thing about played cultured football and getting nowhere, I think people got sick of that. I think now it's all about getting results and getting in the final and hopefully causing a bit of damage there. So I think City's safe, but Brisbane Raw, you just never know. If, I mean, City have a soft performance in those three. That could really take them, you know, take a lot away from the last three games. But, uh, but uh, yeah, and, and again, Raw's got to travel, uh, play Asian Champions League a few times too. So it's a real tough run for them too. Melbourne Victory have, as you said, uh, a couple of games against Brisbane, and then we've got uh, Newcastle this week and Central Coast at the end of that. So they've still got four yep. uh, not uh, tough games. No, no, they're, they're not playing anyone in the top six yeah. at the moment. Uh, but as Kevin Muscat said, anyone in his squad who doesn't think he's not up for these things and think it's going to be easy or get complacent, they're not going to play. He just knows it's these sort of games in this league where you drop a point here and there. Cause they, he, well, they, they can't afford to drop they, a point. They can't drop, they can't drop no. points. It's so close. They need to win every game. And it's in their hands if they do it. And what a fantastic uh, achievement that would be, I think, with this squad, which is not the complete squad yet, Tone. I'm, I'm telling you, uh, they did a magnificent job recruiting the way they did for this season, but there's still holes in that squad. And I've always said that I think that you'll see the best, the better Melbourne victory under Kevin Musket from next year onwards, where they'll be able to look at where they're mm. missing players and they'll get some players in. But if they win things with this squad, it's a fantastic achievement. Uh, but I think it says a lot about the top four. No one really is standing out yeah. as a team that's, uh, that's going to overrun everyone else like we saw Brisbane Raw a couple of years ago. Having said that, though, they do have the advantage, don't they, of having that one game in hand. So they could drop one 
and still be on top of the other teams yeah. on the ladder. I don't know. I'm from the philosophy. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. You'd want to win that one and you, give yeah. yourself a four-point buffer instead of one-point buffer. For me, points in the bank are much more important than games in hand. Uh, it looks good that he's got, they've got to, but they've got to win that game. And I think, uh, you know, for me, I think they'd much rather the points in the bank rather than having to hope for a catch-up game down the track. How tough is it going to be playing three games in the one week? They're going to play, is it Friday night this week, then Wednesday and then Sunday? Yeah, look, they've got a squad. I mean, victory have shown that they have got a squad that can cope with that. I mean, when they, what, two weeks ago they had, uh, you know, players playing for the Socceroos and, you know, four or five of them playing for the... Ollie Roos and uh, I think uh, Barbarossa was out injured, and uh, you know, and they had Georgeski win over the mm. play for Macedonia. I mean, they, these guys were at the bare bones, and they still won their game. So, uh, I think victory have shown that they've got the depth. Uh, again, you know, you get you speak to victory fans who know their stuff, and they'll tell you that there's this problem, this problem, this problem. All the more reason why you should really applaud them if they finish top and go on to win something this year, because they have got problems in that squad, and it's just week by week. Managing that team, and I've been really impressed with Kevin Musket and his uh, and his coaching team in doing that. They've really balanced things out properly. And guys like Milligan, you know, there's an article in the Herald Sun this week. I think I'm not sure whether it was Matt Windley or Dave mm. Davudovic talking about the amount of kilometres that uh, Mark Milligan has flown in the last 12 months mm. or so. 46 flights the guys had. And, uh, and he still hasn't missed a beat. I mean, he's carrying injuries, you can see, but he's just such a great player. Mm. So important to them on the weekend when they won 3-0 away at uh, Wellington. So uh, I just think they've got the most consistent squad. Finkler's scoring at the right time too. Uh, Archie's getting on the scoreboard. Uh, Barbarudis now is uh, getting some games un- game time under his belt from, from back, back from injury. Barisha looked really good on the weekend for the first time in ages. Looked sharp. Going at yeah. people, so going into the, at the final, right time of year. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I was a bit <clears throat> concerned about Barisha. Uh, you know, I thought he was injured or whatever. But on the weekend, he's, the old Barisha was back running at people and you know throwing himself around a bit and bringing other people into the game. He was fantastic. John Fadskip, how's he going? Is he holding on? Oh look, I, I, just as impressed I am with Kevin Musket with what he's doing, uh, what John Van Skip is doing with a limited squad. With guys who at times have let people down at different times and now strung four games without a loss. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, they're just looking. They're under the radar a bit. They're not playing champagne football at all. And if you talk to them, they wouldn't be happy with the way they're playing. But they're getting the results right now to get in that final. They're all playing for their careers over there. They're playing for their lives. Including the coach? Every, everyone. Yeah. Everyone. If they don't make the finals, there's a wholesale change there. There'll be changes anyway. Melbourne, um, um, the City Group over there in the UK won't tolerate not making the finals after the investment they've made this year. So they're playing for their lives over there. So the, uh, what they've done in the lead up to the finals, to, and it's in their hands. Uh, and, I, and I've been impressed with John Van Skip, the way he's managed his squad just pick the right guys. He's talking about Connor Chapman coming back and maybe not getting in the squad straight away because he's got to you know, learn his lesson mm. about you know, manhandling the referee a couple of weeks ago. So, uh, I, yeah, no, I, I, I'm pretty happy with both the Melbourne teams at the moment, even though they're not playing great football necessarily. We'll take a break. Back with more Carlos very shortly. Turn our attention to some international football now with Carlos and the EPL at the moment, mate. Liverpool, wasn't that it? Just a poor game against Arsenal. Yeah, hammering, wasn't it? Uh, and Arsenal, Arsenal fans out there would be really jumping up and about at the moment. But uh, too little, too late, I reckon. Uh, if, if the season went on, I reckon for another 
four or five games. There's, there's seven games for Arsenal, eight games for Chelsea. But if we went on for four or five more games, I reckon Arsenal, the way they're playing at the moment, I mean, they've hardly lost in the last 11. And the way they played on the weekend mm. was just sublime. So uh, Arsenal fans out there, are you excited or are you not excited? Because you're probably not going to win the EPL, but you're playing EPL winning form. Uh, and uh, and those Liverpool fans out there would be very disappointed. After showing glimpses at different times this season, they're just falling in a heap. Doesn't look like they're going to make the top four. And uh, Raheem Sterling, the young gun, the 20-year-old, is probably their best player at the moment. He wants uh, a wage increase from £35,000 that he's, uh, per week that he's got now to £150,000 a week. And of course... That's, uh, that's you know, a lot of money. That's a, a big negotiation for the that's club. That's an extra $250,000 a well, week. Absolutely. And uh, does he deserve it? I'm not sure. It's, uh, a million one, a month. Yeah, it's one of those ones where Liverpool are not at all uh, counting uh, the, uh, the uh, you know, selling him because he's got two years left on his contract. Do they play hardball like they did with Luis Suarez? And when Luis stopped sulking and came back and played, became almost the best player in the world. Started with the Melbourne victory game. Yeah, absolutely. He was, he was sulking here, if you remember, at the MCG. Yeah. And, uh, but they, they stood firm, the club, which is not really something that clubs do these days, but they stood firm. And when he did come back, he, he pulled his head in and just played fantastic football, probably the best player in the world at that time, and uh, went on to play for Barcelona. So uh, Raheem Sterling's 20 years old. I mean, you know, if he does play for another What's two years... What's he like? I've... Great player, yeah. yeah, terrific player. He plays for England, plays for Liverpool, um, and you know, for a young kid, he's pretty consistent. Uh, but do you break the bank at this point, uh, two, with two years to go with his contract, and give him a contract of uh, an extended contract or a renewed contract of one hundred fifty thousand pound a week? It'll blow their wage bill out. Um, they're probably not going to play in Europe next year. So, Correct. so they're not going to probably win anything next year either because they won't be attracting players. So it's a huge decision for the club. And there's talk of Brendan Rodgers and the players had a big, quite aggressive, uh, confrontational players meeting after the game on the weekend. So I'm not sure. Uh, and, and the accusations there by Brendan Rodgers are some of the players not playing for him and not playing for the club. So I'm not sure where they're going to go backwards before they go forwards, Liverpool. But the big decision about Raheem Sterling, that's for sure. They could miss out on uh, everything. Liverpool, uh, Tottenham and Southampton, only just behind them. Tottenham, same point. Southampton are put behind. Yeah, yeah. If they don't get their stuff together, they're, yeah. uh, they're gone. Oh, let, well, let, you know, the, the one that's... Um, and I think they're pretty safe at the moment. Man City's had some pretty poor results. I mean, they lost 2-1 on the weekend at uh, Crystal Palace. And uh, they've just had, just in the last five or six... I think they've won only, you know, four in the last 15 or something. You know, their, their form is not good. They're, they're talking about Manuel Pellegrini, their manager... Uh, being safe with his job, but uh, I can't see him being safe. With the support of the yeah. board, is he? Uh, well, he's, they're expected to win. They get paid really, really big money mm. to win over yes. there. And uh, second and third or fourth, it's little tolerance for that, especially when you're losing to Crystal Palace and the likes of those teams. So, yeah, Man City a bit disappointing. Man United are picking up a little bit, but they're not going to bridge that gap. But it's Arsenal. It's Arsenal at the moment. Uh, and given that Jose Mourinho is coaching Chelsea, there's no way they're going to drop off. So Chelsea will win it. Arsenal will take them right to the line. Probably needed a few more games, I reckon, uh, for them to have a chance of winning it. And United just uh, oh, look, I, I, going along? Yeah, they're a, t- they're a club in transition at the moment. Uh, Van Gaal probably yeah. thought it was going to be easier than what it was uh, when he took over. Uh, he was talking about having maybe the first half of the season to work things out, then they'll get going. They've been, look, they've had some... Decent results in in the, in the last five or six weeks, but not EPL winning results. 
and not sort of uh, results that's going to scare the living daylights out of the opposition. So I think they'll be looking more towards next season and they're talking about some big, big names being signed. And Man United are one of the biggest clubs in the world, so they're probably a club that, uh, that do see themselves as a club that should attract some of the biggest players in the world. Good stuff. Mm. Is it true that the Gladstone Rangers are starting to fire again the SPL? I'm not sure it's starting to fire again, but uh, they're, they're certainly climbing back up the, the cool. leagues. And uh, I think they, they, I haven't seen, I've got the ladder with me, but I think uh, uh, next year might be, if they get promoted this year, they'll be in the SPL next year. So back where they belong, is it the same Rangers? I'm not sure. I'd love to actually have a chat to some Rangers fans and see how they felt over the last three or four years since they got relegated after their financial difficulties. Well, the fact that they've still got a team is amazing. Uh, I mean, they were as bankrupt as you could be. Yeah, the I, there, was, there was a lot of talk uh you know, four years ago, whether they should be they should be existing anymore. Mm. But I think you know, if you look at the history of uh, Glasgow Rangers, um, you know they're they're a, they're a really big club. Even around the world, they're a big club. Not right now, but they've got supporters all around the world because they were a big club for many many decades. So uh, they probably deserve to be back there. And I think the old firm derbies will get those now with Good. Celtic and uh, Rangers. And I think a lot of the Scottish football supporters will love that. Hearts on top of the Scottish Championship with 81 points and Rangers second with 58. So massive yeah. gap yeah. between those two. Well, that's good. Yeah. Good to see. Hey, mate, thanks for your time, thanks, Carlos. Thanks, Tone. Really do appreciate yeah. it. As always, Carlos Alberto Diago joins us every Wednesday between 1 and 2.